Are you earnestly looking for the return of Jesus this year, or could you care less? Do you believe Jesus could really return this year, or is that an event you have consigned to the indefinite future? What is your attitude about the return of Jesus? Are you yearning or yawning? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm delighted to have with me two experts on Bible prophecy. The first is my associate and co-host, Nathan Jones. Nathan is our web minister, and in that capacity he is on our website eight hours a day, interacting with people all over the world, answering questions about Bible prophecy and defending the Christian faith. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you. Good to have you with us. It's always good to be here. Nathan and I have a very special guest with us on this program, one of our favorite colleagues in the field of Bible prophecy. He is Dennis Pollock. And uh, as many of you know, Dennis was my colleague here at Lamb and Lion Ministries for many years until he decided to step out in faith and form a ministry called Spirit of Grace. It's an evangelistic ministry that focuses on the continent of Africa. Dennis, thanks for being with us for the third week in a row. Well, it's my pleasure, and thanks for not getting (laughs) fed up with me. (laughs) You know, folks, every time a new year begins, my heart fills with hope that it will be the year of the Lord's return. So what about this year? Could Jesus really return this year? Or are there prophecies that must be fulfilled first? If Jesus were to return, what would happen? Would time come to an end? Would the earth cease to exist? Would you be struck dead or given a new form of life? For the answers to these and other questions related to the Lord's return, stay tuned. I'd like to invite you to come and check out our website at www.lamblion.com. You will find a wealth of information about Bible prophecy, gaining a big picture view into God's plan for the ages and learn how His eternal plan relates to you in the here and now. Watch online episodes of Christ and Prophecy for in-depth teachings on end-time events. Read from the library of articles covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. Subscribe free to receive the Lamplighter magazine, e-newsletter, and blog to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our resource center. Come visit lamblion.com today. Welcome back to our discussion of the return of Jesus In particular, we're talking about are you yearning or are you yawning about the Lord's return? Well, fellas, when we talk about the possibility of the Lord's return this year, what are we talking about? Are we referring to what most people call the second coming? Well, Dave, there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming, as as we all believe. And I wanted to just share what the second coming is and then contrast it with the rapture. John describes the second coming this way, the coming of Christ where he comes to rule the earth. He says, I saw heaven opened. There was a white horse, and on the horse was him who was called Faithful and True. Says he says, in righteousness he judges and makes war. You get a very militant sound here. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. The armies of heaven are following after him. And out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword that he's going to strike the nations and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. So he returns as a conquering warrior. A conquering warrior. Very militant. It's military language here. Now, when you think about the coming of Christ for the church, which is what we call the rapture, this is a, a, a love experience. This yeah. is a bridegroom coming for his bride. 
Now imagine this, Dave. You're at a wedding and suddenly you see the bridegroom standing there waiting for his bride. He's wearing a camouflage army uniform. He's got a rifle in his hand, hand grenades on his belt. He's got a knife between his teeth and he's growling like he's ready to bust somebody's head. I'm ready to get out of the table. You would say, hey, guy, go home and put on your tux. You know, you're not dressed appropriately for a wedding. And John's language here in in Revelation is not really appropriate language for a bridegroom coming for his bride. So when we talk about the rapture, we're talking about Jesus' promise, I'm going to come and get you. He said, I'll come and I'll receive you that where I am you may be also the rapture of the church. So when we talk about the possibility of the Lord returning this year, we're not talking about the second coming. No, there's a number of prophecies that would need to be fulfilled for the second coming. And that's what tricks a lot of people. They say, well, we know Christ couldn't come now because not all the earth has heard the gospel and there isn't a temple built. The Antichrist hasn't shown up yet. There's just so many things. But that's the second coming. Yeah, the second coming couldn't occur this year. There's too much prophecy yet to be unfulfilled. The rapture could occur today, and that has always been the case because it's an imminent event, something that we should always look for. What about, Nathan, do you agree? Oh, definitely. The second coming and the rapture are two different things, two different audiences. I mean, you can look at the verses for the rapture, which is clearly John 14. You can find it in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. And you read those verses and it tells a different story than the second coming verses, which is Matthew 24 and uh, Luke 21 and Revelation 19. They're two totally different stories. I mean, for after all, you could see that when Jesus comes back for his church, the church is brought up into him, the clouds, where he's in the clouds. But when he returns, he brings those armies, those people that he raptured, back with him. So it's two different things. When Jesus calls us at the rapture, he brings us up to him. But when he returns, he actually lands on earth. He lands on the Mount of Olives and it splits in two. So again, two different things. He's coming for his church that are saved. But when he comes back, he's coming to bring retribution against those who are unsaved. He's coming to judge. So the two, what the two of you are saying is that if we talk about the return of Jesus this year, when I talked about how I yearn for the coming of the Lord. Uh, we have to be talking about the rapture because there's, for example, as you said, too many prophecies that have to be fulfilled right. before the second coming, and yet the Bible tells us that the return of Jesus is imminent. Exactly. What does that mean? It means it can happen at any time. Nothing has to happen before it. There's no signs, so there's, not, there's no Would prophecies. you say, go so far then as to say that there's not one prophecy that has to be fulfilled for the Lord to come in the rapture? Exactly. Now, some people will bring up uh, Matthew We'll go to uh, Matthew 24, 14 that says the gospel has to be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. Well, that is a second coming prophecy. That is not a rapture prophecy. During the tribulation, the Lord provides all sorts of people to share the gospel. He's got an angel that travels all over the earth. He's got the two witnesses in Jerusalem, 144,000 Jewish evangelists. He's got all the materials that we've left behind. I mean, there is definitely a great gospel moving in the tribulation, but that happens then. Right now, we don't need, the church doesn't need to be in the tribulation to share the gospel. Speaking of, of imminence, I, w- I want to go back to the, the Old Testament institution of the Passover. God said something very interesting mm. to, to the Israelites uh, through Moses when they had that first Passover. He told them how they were to eat the meal. They couldn't just eat it anyway. He said, you're going to eat the meal with your belt around your waist. He said, you're going to eat the meal with your staff in your hand and your sandals on your feet. And he said, you're going to eat it in a hurry. He said, I want you to eat it in haste. Well, what does all that speak about? 
it speaks about the fact that they were to be ready to leave at any time. You know, when you come home, you would take your belt off. You would take your sandals off your feet. You wouldn't wear them in the house. Uh, And you certainly wouldn't eat a meal with a staff in your hand. But God says to Israel, I want you to be doing all this knowing that your time here is so short, you could be leaving at any time. Now, I want us to contrast that with what Jesus says concerning His own coming. He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, that when he'll return from the wedding, and again, we have the idea of a wedding, he he will come and knock, and you will open to him immediately. So Jesus is telling us, be in a state of readiness for me to come at any time. That's the idea of eminence, Mm -hmm. the idea that you should always be ready. You don't know. And, and he said that clearly. Watch, be ready. The Son of Man is coming when you don't expect. He said, be ready. You don't know the day or the hour. The idea is you should live in such a way that if I came this second or next day or whenever, you will be ready. That's the idea of eminence. That's why we have to allow for Christ to come at any time. If you wake up in the morning and say, my theology says Jesus couldn't possibly come today because of this prophecy not being fulfilled and this one, and certainly we have to win more souls and we have this and that. And so I know one thing, you know, I don't know all that today will bring, but I know one thing, Jesus couldn't possibly come today. You are breaking the express command of the Lord Jesus who said, watch, I'm coming at any time. It's an imminent event. Okay, so in summary, what the two of you are saying then is that the return of the Lord is going to be in two stages. First, the rapture of the church where He appears in the heavens and we go out. He doesn't even come to earth. And then secondly, when we return with Him to the earth in what is called the second coming. So when we talk about the possibility of Jesus returning this year, we're talking about the possibility of the rapture of the church, which could occur at any moment. It's imminent. And let's hope it happens this year. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of here. (laughs) Before we continue with our discussion of the Lord's return, let's pause for a great song about the rapture. The song is called Midnight Cry, and here to sing it is Jack Hollinsworth of Acts 29 Ministries. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's closer now. And it's ever been I can almost hear the trumpet As Gabriel sounds the call At the midnight cry We'll be going home When Jesus steps out on a cloud to call His children, the dead in Christ shall rise to meet Him in the air. And then those that remain Midnight cry when Jesus comes again. 
Don't you know he's coming and he's coming soon? Listen to me now. Glory to God. Oh, oh Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I look around me. And I see prophecies fulfilling. The signs of the time are appearing everywhere. I can almost hear the Father say, Son, go get the children at the midnight cry. The bride of Christ shall rise when Jesus steps out on a cloud to call his children. That's you and me, now don't you know it? The dead in Christ shall rise to meet him in the air. the midnight cry when Jesus comes again oh Lord and then those that remain will be quickly changed at the midnight cry when Jesus comes again, oh my God, won't you hurry now at the midnight cry? When Jesus comes again, when Jesus comes again. Wow. What a great song about the Lord's return, and what a delivery by Jack Hollinsworth. There's nothing quite like an anointed singer who sings about something he believes in with all his heart. Now, before we return to our discussion of the Lord's soon return, I'd like to give our guest, Dennis Pollock, an opportunity to tell you how he can, you can get in touch with him and with his ministry. Dennis? Well, all of our information is, is on our website. If you go to spiritofgrace.org, you can get our phone number. You can get an email address to send emails. Uh, you can get our physical address. And there's a lot of good stuff there as well, articles and so forth. You can send an email directly to me by sending an email to dennis at spiritofgrace.org. Or if you have a criticism, send it to Dave Reagan at grumpycomments.org. I, I would prefer that you send it uh, really to Nathan at... Oh. Uh, <laughs> at Dennis Pollock at spiritofgrace.org. Well, uh, folks, I, I hope you will contact Dennis. I urge you to do so and to get on his uh, mailing list and invite him to come to your church to conduct a meeting or a conference. Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, return to our discussion here about the rapture. And let me begin by saying that quite often people who don't believe in the rapture will say to me, well, there's the rapt word rapture is not even in the Bible. It's an unbiblical concept. How about that, Dennis? 
Well, the word is not going to be in most English Bibles, but the concept clearly is. It comes from the words where Paul says that we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the, the dead who've been raised to meet Christ in the air. In 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. And the words caught up come from a Greek word, harpazo. Yeah. And the word harpazo means to grab something, to take something forcefully, almost violently. And I want to just illustrate with, with Nathan. Nathan, I want to ask you to hand me your Bible. Okay. Would you do that? I promise to give it back. All right. All right. My wife now, gave that to me. So all right. Now, okay. that's not, I haven't wrapped, that Bible hasn't been raptured because, <laughs> number, number one, you can see it. <laughs> but number two, he handed it to me. A rapture is not somebody handing anybody anything. And secondly, he was way too gentle. Did you see how gentle he had? Now, hold the, the, the Bible again, and I'll show you a raptured Bible. <laughs> now, that Bible was raptured, and the reason is that it was violently grabbed. And the word snatched is probably the best English word for rapture. In fact, that same word, harpazo, caught up, is used by Jesus when he said, I give my sheep eternal life. They'll never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Rapture them, forcefully grab. He said, that's not going to happen. I've got my sheep in my hand and they will not be snatched. Same exact word in the Greek. Well, actually the word rapture really is in the Bible, isn't it, Nathan? Well, yeah, harpazo being Greek was translated into Latin, rapio, mm-hmm. and then we got rapture. So if you read the Latin Bible, which we had for 1,100 years, yeah. people knew rapture was right there. Just in our English versions, we just don't have the word rapture. We have something easier, caught up. But it's yeah. easier to say the great snatching up or the great caught up just to say rapture. <laughs> yeah, and, and if mm. you don't like to say I'm looking forward to the rapture, you can just say, I'm so thrilled about the great First Thessalonians 4, 16, and 17. <laughs> that <laughs> might be a little bit longer. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I grew up in a church that never taught Bible prophecy. And so if you'd asked me at age 35 what the rapture was, I would have said it's a sensation you feel when your girlfriend kisses you because that's all I knew about the rapture. Uh, well, fellas, uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, the Bible really makes it very clear, I think, that the, the rapture is an event separate and apart from the second coming because, as you said, one is a, a, bride, a bridegroom coming for his bride in love. The other is a warrior returning and, and to pour out the wrath of God. Those are two separate events. Sure. Now, the big question that comes up at this point is when is that rapture going to occur? Is it going to be before the tribulation, at the beginning, in the middle, near the end? Uh, uh, when does it occur? <laughs> well, I think there's plenty of Bible verses that talk about how the church is saved from the wrath of God. I think at Revelation 3.10, for instance, that the church, those who God has put in the church, who He's called out, who He loves, who will be His bride, will not be there for seven years mm-hmm. to get beat up and bruised. I mean, would my wife have married me if I spent seven years beating her up to the point she was a bloody <laughs> mess through all judgments and tribulations and say, okay, honey, let's get married? Yeah. No, that's insane. Well, listen, that's a good point because there are people who have actually argued with me over that and said the church needs to go through the tribulation because it needs to be purified. Mm -hmm. You're going to beat your bride up for seven years before you come and get her? And furthermore, isn't the blood of Jesus sufficient to purify us from all sins? Amen. Yeah. Amen. When yeah. you take that position, you're turning the, the tribulation into a, uh, a Protestant purgatory. Well, that's like yeah. the partial rapture theory too, this idea that it doesn't matter when the rapture happens, but only certain people will be raptured. The most and spiritual. Yeah, and it's a mm-hmm. form of Christian snobbery. Yeah. I mean, obviously the people who claim that think they're in the group that's going to be <laughs> raptured, you know, and that's not the case. Christ comes for His bride, the church, and that's everybody, and we all live at a different point in our life in the process 
process of sanctification. So some struggle with sin more than others. But we're all saved, we're all covered by Christ, and we'll all be So raptured. you would place the rapture before the tribulation begins? Yes, I think there's so many verses okay. in there that talk How about, about you? it. Yeah. Uh, to me, I would agree with what Nathan said and add one more thing, and that is, again, going back to the point of eminence, if you say the rapture has to come at the end of the tribulation, then you know for certain Christ couldn't come today because we're obviously not in the tribulation. You'd be looking for the Antichrist. You'd be looking for at least about a half the world's population to be killed, which you probably wouldn't survive anyway. But you'd have all these things that would have to happen. So if you say the rapture comes at the end, Christ couldn't come today. If you say Christ couldn't come today, you have just negated the whole heart of everything Jesus had to say about watching for His return. That's right. That's right. There's no doubt about that. What, you, what point were you going to hey, I was wanting to read Revelation 3.10. I mean, this is about as secure as you can get. Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to this, test those who live on the earth. I mean, that is a clear indication, that verse and many others, that says the church is not meant to suffer under the wrath of God. And another one is in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 where we're told that we are to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who will deliver you from the wrath that is to come. We've got a promise there. We're going to be delivered. Let me ask you this quick question. Have you ever, either one of you ever given any thought as to what kind of explanations will be given by the world for the rapture when all these people disappear? I mean, the world's surely going to have some explanations of this that are going to be able to deceive people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I, I have a feeling they'll at least be smart enough to figure out it was those religious fanatics that have all disappeared, the ones that talked about Jesus and carried their Bibles around and went to Bible studies. You know, I, I <coughs> always thought something no good was going to come to them. You know, that faith has just somehow gotten to the point where who knows where they are. I, well, you know, I the New know. Agers, the yeah. New Agers are actually rejoicing. They are expecting the rapture as much as we are, but they think that Christians are holding back human evolution. Right. Mm-hmm. And once we're gone, they think that's a good thing and that'll happen. And maybe they'll explain away UFOs or as global warming. As a matter of fact, in the early but. 70s, books were written by the New Age movement that said that, that masters of the universe, which are their cha- channeled spirits, have revealed to them that a time is coming when uh, they're going to remove from the world all those who live by faith so that those who live by reason can continue in their evolutionary development. So I'm sure they'll rush the microphone and say, see, we told you back in 1970. Fellows, uh, let's talk for just a moment about the attitude that seems to dominate the church today regarding the Lord's return, namely apathy. (laughs) Why is there so much apathy about the Lord's return when the signs of the times are literally screaming from the heavens that Jesus is about to return? Why so much apathy? Well, that's a good question. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you don't have faith and you say, I wish I had some faith, uh, you've got to do more than just say, I wish I had some faith. You've got to get into the Word and faith will grow, faith will come. Now, uh, in a corresponding light, Attraction to anything will come by exposure. The more you're exposed to something, the more you become attracted. You know, we've all had songs we first heard and we didn't think too much of them, but we kept hearing them. And the more we heard, the more we liked them. They became our favorite songs because we had been exposed to them. 
When I was 19, I decided I was going to become, I was going to enter the world of adults and become a coffee drinker. You know, it just seemed cool to drink coffee. I hated the taste of coffee. I remember being at a friend's house yes. and his dad asked me if I wanted coffee. You know, yeah, yeah, I'd like some coffee. You know, I'm a big adult guy now. And so he gave me this coffee and my entire goal for that coffee cup was to drink it without grimacing and making this terrible face. But... The more I became exposed to it, the more I like it. And guess what? Now I can drink a coffee, a cup of coffee and smile and enjoy it. It goes great with a lot of things that I have. So as you're exposed, uh, you become attracted to something if it has any attractiveness at all. Now that's the truth with the return of Christ. If you never think about it, if it's never preached, if you never read about it, if you never watch TV programs that are dedicated to that concept, well, of course you have no revelation or excitement about the return of Christ. You never will. You, you, can't, you know, it's not enough just to say, well, I just don't think much about it. You know, I just never have felt much excitement. I guess if the Lord really wants to, He'll just explode it in my heart. No, get into the words, get a red pen, start marking the scriptures that deal with the return of Christ. Watch programs like Christ in Prophecy. Uh, get good Bible books about, uh, or Christian books about the return of Christ. And faith will come and excitement and attraction will come as well. So that is probably the primary way to get over the apathy is just start exposing yourself to this incredible doctrine that saturates the scriptures. Nathan, why so much apathy? I think there's two reasons and two groups of people. The first group is people is folks like a friend of mine a few years back who said that she was really excited about Bible prophecy when Hal Lindsey came out with Late Great Planet Earth. 30-some, 40 years yes. later, the Lord hasn't come. It, just the excitement. Where do you go? Paul, I mean, we were talking about the rapture 2,000 years ago, and it has, doesn't have and happen. In God's perspective, it's a short time, but for us, it's an eternity. And so we just give up after a while. The second group, I think, is in Second Peter 3. You can find, it says, First of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as is since the beginning of creation. But it also gives us this. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come into repentance. He is waiting so you and me and all these people can be part of the bride of Christ, the church, and be saved. And if the Lord came 100 years ago, I wouldn't even exist. So praise the Lord, He's patient and waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of waiting, what should we do as we wait for the return of the Lord, as we wait for the rapture? What should we be doing? One of the great things about people who love the rapture, who understand the rapture, as Dennis was talking about and really got into it, is that they're excited. They're an excited group of people because it gives them purpose. They understand that they need to be holy. They need to dedicate the Lord. Because, you know, when I come in to the house sometimes and my kids are watching something, they, you know, they shouldn't, like they're spending an extra half hour beyond their time. You know, you get that look that kids give, you know, that kind of guilty look. You know, God could come at any moment. So what is he going to find us doing? Knowing that the Lord will come back anytime gives us a sense of holiness. Yeah. And if you're an unbeliever, obviously there's only one thing for you to do, and that is be born again. Receive Christ as your Savior so that you will be prepared. Because when Christ comes, He is coming for people that are exclusively His. People who, and and in God's eyes, there's only two kind of people in this world. Either those who belong to Christ, those who don't. And, you know, we're talking about the partial rapture, which says that if you reach a certain level, but, but Christ is coming for His people. You know, if you're a parent and you have children, those children are your children. They are different from every other child on the face of the earth. Those happen to be yours. Your blood is in them. And Christ looks on a certain people all across this world, black, white, oriental, Hispanic, that are His people 
because the Holy Spirit lives in them. And if, you, if you're not one of His, you need to run to the cross of Jesus and believe on Him and be born again. That's your ultimate preparation. As a Christian, what we do is we abide in Him, John says, so that when He appears, we won't be ashamed before Him at His coming. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I want to thank Dennis and Nathan for all the help that they've given in this discussion. And uh, folks, I want to invite you to be back with us again next week, the Lord willing. Till then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Dr. David Reagan's book, God's Plan for the Ages, contains a comprehensive overview of all aspects of Bible prophecy. It's written in an easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style that you will find appealing. In addition to all the prophecies concerning the first and second comings of the Messiah, it deals with a host of other prophetic questions, such as, What happens when you die? What will heaven be like? What's the future of the earth? Where is the United States in prophecy? To get a copy of God's Plan for the Ages, please call the number you see on the screen. Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.